read first. Okay, happy All Saints Day, everybody. Today is November, what, 2nd? First. first or second, whatever. That's how I, I see people list dates like that. It's like November 1 slash 2. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Because, well, you know what I'm saying? If you, It takes a whole 24 hours, so. So it's technically second. <laughs> Depend on where you are. Don't matter. Okay, anyways. All Saints Day, All Souls Day. Happy Halloween. All right, great. The first one we're going to read is from the source of the RomanCatholicSaints.com. There's another one I want to read from, let's see... Anyways, it is about saint, two saints, and one, because they come in a pair, because they're married. Saint Ferdinand, or Fernando, Isabella. All right, all right. So, the other uh, one is from stmuscholars.org. That one sounds really cool, too. Okay, right. STMU Research Scholars, a student organization of St. Mary's University of San Antonio, Texas, featuring scholarly research, writing, and media. Okay, so their article seems really interesting, too. They tell it more in a story form. But first off, let's go to the Roman Catholic Saints. They were first on the Google search list. Okay. Queen Isabella. The first, Queen of Castile and Lyon. She was queen of two places. Was born April 22nd. Why? Because two plus two is four. 1451. And died, 1451. And died November 26, 1504. She is frequently referred to as Isabel the Catholic. An honorary title she received from the Pope himself. Her husband was Ferdinand II of Aragon. Are we talking Lord of the Rings here? Yeah, we are. Aragon. Or was that uh, the other show? Something of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Okay. And with him, because this is literally like King of Thrones kind of storyline. And with him, she set about completing the Reconquista. Reconquista? Reconquista. Concluding the reconquest of the Iberian Peninsula by taking Granada back from the Muslims. See, she was Catholic. It was an enormous task, and it was recorded that during one difficult period, she left Granada to visit the tomb of her ancestor, Saint King Fernando III. Well, ain't that interesting? Yeah. That was her ancestor, Saint King Fernando III. Praying for Fernando. Sitting upon his throne as she sought Inspiration to go on. Granada was finally taken in 1492, the same year she sent Columbus sailing to the New World. Oh, yeah. That's relevant, ain't it? Yes. A Lady for Our Season by Colleen Drippy. 
The queens of history really catch our attention. Their proud heads seem to rise above the tumult of events, while their small hands grasp the reins of government and duty. In more cases than not, their、uh, rules their hearts. While their small hands grasp the reins of government and duty, reigns their hearts. The deeds and the, and the glory of a mighty queen shine out for ages to come. If you add in the grand successes of a Catholic queen, one whose stern probity spared neither herself nor others, whose vision united her own country and brought millions of pagans into the church, then you have at least a sketch. Of the magnificent Queen Isabella of Spain. Were this all that could be said of her, she would still be remembered as one of the greatest rulers of all time. But Queen Isabella is honored for even higher and finer things than merely ruling Spain, saving Granada, Christianity, and the civilization of the, and civilizing the New World, and bringing Back to her country, the justice and domestic peace lost by the mismanagement of her incompetent and degraded half brother, Enrique IV. She has not been called Isabella the Catholic for nothing, nor was she named Servant of God merely for being a successful queen. No, Isabella was also a wife, you see. And that wasn't such an easy job for a Renaissance, Renaissance queen. A woman who outlived her two eldest children and saw the others suffer much from the necessities of arranged royal marriages. She was a penitent who spent hours on her knees. And a Catholic placed sometimes in situations. Depressingly familiar to Catholics of today. Hello. The clergy of Castile were riddled with Jewish converts. Some genuine and very holy, but others enriching themselves and working against the church from within. Oh, yeah. She also had, for part of her reign, A Borgia Pope to deal with. All right. Alexander, hello, praying for Alex, the six, had been elected amid a political scramble that so scandalized all of Christendom that on several occasions plans were made to dispose him and elect another Pope, something Spain would never have condoned. Okay? All right, enough drama teaser for you? Great. For all her statecraft and her successful pursuit of a demanding career, Queen Isabella was not a modern woman. No. She could hardly have been considered, quote, modern, unquote, in her own times. And certainly no one could accuse her of holding to the values of her own. She was a lady, timeless, in the vision. She held of a totally Christian state. Timeless in faith, 
timeless in charity, with which she persuaded, pursued her duty. Out of that same charity, she may reach out to us, interceding and inspiring, but only if, as individuals, we ask her intercession. Santa Isabella, ora pro nobis. As a servant of God, she may be prayed to. There is even an official prayer. Ah, oh, ha, 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 gotta look that up. For her canonization. But we may not yet honor her publicly. Oh, snap. One day that will come. Queen Isabella has already worked one publicized miracle. The 1998 healing of an American man with terminal cancer. Uh-huh. Sound familiar? Anybody? Anybody? Raise your hand. Come on, it's going twice. It's going. Oh, scared. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Which should be enough to ensure us that our prayers for her intercession will be heard. Today, we have need of Queen Isabella. She is a woman who may, in fact, have a mission in our own time. Isabella of Spain has sometimes been called the last crusader. Calvary is good. God help us if she really was the last. All right, we need her. She put the enemy out of Spain once long ago, but now that enemy returns to Europe and all the Western world with the savagery of terrorism, hoping to build a new empire on the ruins, ruinous weakness of liberalism, secularism, and heresy. Our leaders, flounders, unable to or unwilling to turn to God, trying every expedient from appeasement to random threats, quarreling amongst, among themselves as their forebears did throughout their requesta, reconquista. They, command, they, can, they condemn the injustice and the heartless violence of the enemy, while refusing to admit that it is the same enemy who menaces the faith time and again throughout history. Helpless in the face of fanatic-inspired violence, those in religion, those with no religion at all, do not know which way to turn. That's not us, so. Servant of God Isabella of Spain knew, trustfully consigning her affairs into the hands of God and Our Lady. She devoted her life, her time, her health to ceaseless battle. She traveled much, even when she was pregnant or ill, lived in near 
poverty as she sacrificed her wealth to pay for arms and horses, risked her person to quell riots, disposed petty tyrants, spent hours holding court and hanging, not excusing, murderous bandits, resisted the bribes. Oh, you can bet there was many. Threats and blandishments of those non-Christians and false Christians who had heretofore held more power than the kings of Castiel. She never knew the quiet family life she fought to preserve for others, though she bore and loved five children, cultivated the womanly arts, some samples of her needlework are still preserved, and prayed constantly to her family, for her family and her realm. She died at the relatively early age of 53, that's not even senior yet, according to today's standards, worn out with labors and sorrows, turning as ever, hopefully to God, two of her children, including her only son, died before her. One of her daughters married to the inconsistent and unloving Philip the Fair became mentally ill and another one, Catherine of Aragon, was married to and later divorced by, though Isabella did not live to see this. <sighs> the soon to be infamous Henry VIII. Well, oh my goodness. Drama, people. England, France, hello. Ah, Spain, hello. As queen of Spain and one of the most powerful and influential women in Europe, Queen Isabella had always used her influence against evil, especially against whatever threatened the surest thing on earth, the holy Catholic faith. She has been much criticized for bringing in the Inquisition to Spain, and no one can consider promoting her cause without addressing some of the grave accusations made against her. It is quite true that people were sometimes burned at the stake and that prisoners were tortured. Prisoners were tortured. This later, latter was common practice at the time. Actually, the Spanish Inquisition was less brutal than their forebearers. Here's another charge made against Miss Queen Elizabeth is that she persecuted those whose ideas were different from her, differed from her own. But the prisoners of Spanish Inquisition would hardly qualify as prisoners of conscience. They were not tried for refusing to become Catholics, all right, but rather for pretending to be Catholic in order to infiltrate the Christian society. Spaz. Pretending, pretenders. Most were reconciled with the church, though they were warned a second lapse into Judaism would be fatal, and some were exiled. Execution was reserved for serious relapses and horrible crimes, such as the ritual murder of a three-year-old boy in one of the most infamous 
and convoluted cases the Inquisition was called upon to track. The Queen's decision to finally exile the Jews from Spain caused, and still causes, even greater outrage among her detractors. To this day, the Sephardic Jews, some Jews continue to protest her against all moves on the part of Rome to proceed in her canonization. Well, can y'all believe that? Whether her action was justified is still open to debate. The queen at least believed that it was in the best interest of the realm. She was doing her job. There was little domestic peace where Jews and Christians lived together. Riots were continual. And so many lives were lost through massacres. January! January! And counter massacres that there seemed no alternative. We can only guess at what might have been had Isabella not made this decision. What actually did happen was that many Jews chose to leave rather than to convert. An option still offered to them, by the way. And that many settled in Portugal. Oh, where'd they go? Portugal. From which they were later expelled. And in other parts of Europe. Can you spell that? Some sought refuge with the Muslims of North Africa with whom they had once been on excellent terms during the Muslim occupation of Grenada. Unfortunately, those who set sail on the Mediterranean were often robbed, murdered, enslaved, raped, and generally shown that the Muslims were fickle friends. Mm-hmm. Quite a few of the survivors returned to Spain, deciding that Christianity was the true faith after all. Well, welcome home. Surprisingly, many of these, many of these conversions were genuine, surprisingly, and bore good fruit. Yay! Others made it to Turkey. Gobble, gobble, coming up. And former communities there. Queen Isabella's concern and her energies did not stop with the old world, for she had a great concern for the new. Oh, yeah. She, it was who, after many delays caused by the reconquest of Granada, outfitted and sent, you need a Granada? Here's one. And sent off Columbus, Kabui. She could not know any more that Columbus knew what a new world has discovery truly was, and would become. But her constant concern for the natives led her to ban their enslavement, even against the wishes of Columbus himself, and to begin arranging for their instruction in the faith. She wanted for them the best she knew to give them, but she did not live long into Spain's colonial era, and those who succeeded her did not have her super abundance of charity and wisdom. Now, in our day, as she looks down from heaven on the modern inhabitants of famous and barely imagined lands, we can be sure that she wishes us well. One day we will see this devoted and holy queen canonized. It would be a fine thing for us all if she were made another patroness along with Our Lady of the Americas. Is this only a dream? I have a dream, people. An unrealistic desire. 69 was their anniversary. A hope? Yes. Hope. Hope is a virtue.
that takes us far into the magnanimity of God. Magnanimity. He sees our need. He sees our servant's eagerness to do good to those who need her. Whether in Americas or in Europe. How long will God not allow the fears and folly of those whose duty it is to proclaim good and worthy saints for us to stand in his way? How long will the quibbling and the ill will of his enemies dictate the policy of the church? I will tell you how long. So long as they fail to storm heaven for what we need. So long as we fail to storm heaven for what we need. God's hand overflow with gifts for us, with graces for the world, but he respects our silence. If we do not ask, we do not receive. We need the saint. What on earth are we waiting for? Anyway, many thanks to Colleen Drippy for her excellent article on Queen Isabella. Thank you, Queen Drippy. First time I heard of you and I love you already. Trip, trip. What's up? Oh, here's another one. Shop now. Guadalupe. The miracle and the message. $3.99. I can't afford that right now. I got Newton. I will just read and spread her message. Isn't that better? I think it is. Graces. Queen Isabella. Ora pro nobis. Sancte King. Regue Fernando the Tre. Ora pro nobis. Celestior, thank you for joining us for this impromptu reading. Au revoir. Adios. See you later. I'll be back. <laughs> everything for your business and for uh, uh, for your home, to say the least. Stock up. The next thing. I have people that like me. So today I have a customer. And who's like, one thing they keep having the, the, the expensive stuff in stock, but the stuff that every they normal people buy, they don't have in, in, in stock. And I'm saying, I think it's because y'all are buying all the same stuff because you can't afford the expensive stuff. That's the, uh, a symptom of the economy. And then they're like, oh, no diesel fuel because of theft. No, I think because you guys don't got no inventory. And then Stephanie. Her and her husband are both traveling nurses, and they made a fortune uh, during the health crisis. So that's great. They go out, they, they're on assignment, they move around, they lived in San Diego, and they sold their house, got rid of it, and decided, hey, let's move to Ohio. We heard great things about Ohio. So that sounds great, okay? Only problem was they got into a bidding war with their house. $100,000 over the asking price for their house in Ohio. And then Stephanie is needed to channel and didn't see the Dan advice whenever you need anywhere. And that's go live there. Go experience the neighborhood. Go experience the people, the time, everything. And they have a real problem where she's the spot was a nice neighborhood and it's not. Crime is epic there. Crime is running rampant where they moved to. So house. now the house went down in value and they're hundred and fifty thousand dollars upside down. So I'm looking for a job. And then they're like, oh, you, there's this new website with this new concept, make the move or something like that, dot com. And then they're like, oh, we're going to give you a $10,000 incentive 
to, you know, get a job and move over here. Oh, by the way, you don't get that 10000 until after you've bought a home. Like, what kind of BS is that? Their state needs attention. So you got to get in debt just for them to give you a penny? Play the tape. BS. Grievances, people. Grievances. On the equity in the home. That's a kiss of death, guys. So I don't care what you do for a job. And we miss California. It's so, it, we, you know, so much. And again, you know, you guys can call it California and all that stuff all you want. But these people are upset. California. And this is happening more and more right now. Again, here's some free advice, guys. I don't care if you're renting an apartment. I don't care if really? it's it is, hard to get right? free. You need to go out and you need to take a look at at uh, the neighborhood. You need to experience it. What's it like at night? What's it like on the weekend? Look at the crime statistics because I'm telling you, you're gonna have uh, you're gonna go to an area that looks nice during the day, and then you know it's you know biker festival on Tuesday. Something bad, okay? So share your thoughts on all this stuff so far. There's a lot more to cover out here. But uh, it's really Jessica, really nice. But there's a lot to cover out here, and uh, I'll go through it. Let's talk about our sponsor, Satellite Phone Let's face it, these are very scary times right now, and you need to prepare. Uh, over the course of the last month, we've had Hurricane Ian, which absolutely destroyed communication for so many. You know, I used to worry about this, but I don't anymore because I have a satellite phone from the Satellite Phone Store. My family is spread around the entire country, and I used to worry about this. What would happen when disaster strikes? What are we going to do to communicate with everybody? And now I don't have to worry about that because I got a satellite phone that has 150 minutes a month for only $100 from the satellite phone store. You need to get one. They have them in stock right now. This is the greatest device, but again, peace of mind. What's that worth? The other thing I want to talk to you about satellite is phone, the Bivy. The Bivy is a device that turns your cell phone into a satellite communication device. This thing is absolutely amazing for a thousand reasons, but the best thing is that you can send text like messages via the satellite DVD with the Bivy. It's only a couple dollars. Can we stop all this binding crap? But the absolute Find me everywhere the Bivy is that you press no one button and you can send people on your contact list notifications exactly where you are in the country. Check it out today. Check out the satellite yeah, phone store. Let them know that I allegedly sent you. Sounds good, but it ain't got no proof. Amazing. But again, guys, I don't worry anymore because I've got the satellite phone. You need to get one of these. These are very scary times. You need to prepare. You don't know when disaster is going to strike. So check out the satellite phone, uh, phone store today. <laughs> yeah, dig your own grave. I'll pay you for it. Go ahead. After you didn't finish, put that on a poster. And you about to say, I'm finished, they kick you in. One thing that we can't yeah, shake get it away off, from shake it off, and the expensive credit card. Right a couple I'm great stories that were sent to me that are completely unbelievable and they're unfolding, and they're both from Canada. Okay, so this is crazy. First thing we're going to start with Roger. Roger's sending me stories about how the Canadian banks, some of them are saying, hey, listen, we want to raise credit lines right now. We want you to uh, understand that during these difficult times, you need to have more buying power right now. 
How do you, how do you get that buried? Go get yourself in more debt. Step up. So, uh, needless to say, they're extending people more credit from certain banks out of Canada right now, which is absolute lunacy, and it's going to lead to more problems. And again, the goal, guys, is to get yourself out of debt. Do not have credit cards, you know? So the next thing, and this is the one that that I, I wouldn't believe it unless I saw it, and this is going to unfold to be much bigger. It's going to be one of the biggest stories around. So, And that's this. There is a bank in Canada right now. If you have no other reason to buy gold, it is this. It is the only way to pay off that promissory note. Anybody? Anybody? The only way to get rid of the debt, because that piece of paper you're holding your that dollar is a fiat debt. That is the pinnacle upon which all fiat currencies rest. That is why it must be the last to fall, or else, every, like, hello? If you pull the pin first, the whole shit's gonna just fall apart. It's a slow demolition, that's what we're witnessing. 300,000 increase, what the heck is that? Venezuela, what country was that, Venezuela now? Now, that is going to charge a surcharge for you to use the card. Now, think about this. But it's, when it's, you are a merchant the balloon is and somebody walks into hey, you know, Baskin Robbins, which is insane that Baskin Robbins is closed on Halloween night, but, you know, BJ's, okay? I'm in, just in the center of the street and the street's closed. So BJ's, you're going to swipe your card. BJ's pays a fee for you to swipe that credit card. Whether it's American Express, whether it's Visa, whether it's MasterCard, Discover, whatever, you pay a fee for that. Now, the cool thing with this is that that's the cost of doing business. What if it was reversed? What if the person that was buying the merchandise had to pay a surcharge? Right now in Canada, there's going to be a, a 2% surcharge on credit card charges. Yeah, you heard me right. You spend a thousand bucks, it's going to cost you additional $20 to purchase things using your credit card in Canada. And guys, I'm telling you, if this takes off in Canada and people don't freak out, and again, look over here. Don't look here. That's what's going on right now. When that happens, they slip things like this uh, right in front of you. So this is going to be a problem. But again, what would you pay to use your credit card? Would you pay 3.5%? Would you pay 4%? 5%? That's the problem with this, is that you're going to have people that don't have the same buying power as other people right now, and they're going to get charged more. So the, the rates are going to be much higher for that. So share your thoughts on all this stuff, guys, because it's only getting worse right now. And this is the beginning of this right now. Now, think about this. There are some credit cards that give you, you know, features and, you know, travel miles and things like that. And the merchant can actually pay more for that. That's a, a, a known thing. I mean, it happened in my business, and, and I, I learned to live with that. You just pay the fee, and, and that's it. But if you have bad credit, listen, for you to use this credit card, it's 5% every time you use it. There are people out there that are so desperate to have a credit card, they will pay that. So this is sick, guys. It's gonna, it's only going to get worse. It's only going backwards right now as far as the finances. So you got the Huntington Beach lifeguard out here, and you've got, uh, you know. So again, guys, where do you draw the line with this stuff? Because I think that... Uh, uh, we're seeing things that we've never seen in our lifetimes, and it's only going to get worse. And economically, 
uh, they're going to do everything they can to charge as much as possible. So let me know what you guys think about this because I think it's crazy and I think it's way too much. And to pay a 2% uh, surcharge is nuts. You know, we heard about the inflation fee uh, last week in the lawsuit from Macaroni Grill where they charged $2 a table and the lawyer's going to get rich doing that. But don't you agree that certain things like this need to be stopped? Because I, I think it's nuts. So let me know what you guys think about this. I'm Batman. Gizmo walking down the street. Hey, um, have you guys ever met somebody that was so pretentious and such a jerk that they just wanted to say, oh, this guy deserves whenever anything bad happens to that guy? There is a story out of the New York Post that actually floored me that somebody sent me today. And there's a guy named Luke Desmaris. And Luke is a 27-year-old millionaire who is the coolest guy on the planet Earth. All you have to do is ask him and he'll tell you that. Now, Luke says, I don't worry about no parking signs. I don't worry about red zones. I don't worry about the 15-minute zone. I park where I want. I'm a millionaire, and this is like VIP parking for me. I can throw my car wherever I want, and I don't care. So, and you're like, what? Huh? How do you do that? Well, Luke, in the year 2022, has had $8,100 in parking tickets right now. I gladly pay them because I can afford it. I know you can't, but I can afford it. That's what this guy is saying. He's like, what a jerk. Yes, he is. And that guy just escaped from the bar. Um, so anyway, so anyways, what a pretentious jerk this guy is. This guy goes out and uh, uh, sits there and tells everybody that he can park wherever he wants. Now, it's funny. In this beach community, finding parking is always a headache for an event like this. But I couldn't imagine just throwing my car someplace because the parking ticket hounds are out just <laughs> writing tickets left and right. So, you know, how do you guys feel about that? That guy, he'll get his, to say the least. Um, another thing, there's a great story out of Reddit, and uh, we've all worked for somebody like this who would say, listen, I don't care if your job is done. You need to stay here till 5 o'clock or till the end of your shift. No matter what, and people may be sitting at their desk not doing work, but you're going to stay here. And, uh, uh, you know, just as a complete jerk to do that. And I've worked for people like this. And we've talked about some of those lovely people uh, in my past that uh, ended up getting theirs, okay? But people that go out and make people do certain things, there's a great Reddit group talking about compliance uh, issues and how they're not going to let this guy communicate with them. Because what the boss would do is then if he ever had a question... The entire company got together and said, don't communicate with this guy at all outside of work. Now, here in California, there's lawsuits right now for people that work uh, overtime. And if the boss calls you, that's considered work right now. But these guys, are they won't answer emails to this guy. They won't uh, return phone calls. The building could be on fire, and they could hold the emergency key, and these people are not going to respond to this. And at first, I was like, well, that's kind of kind of rough. And I thought, no, no, this is spot on because this guy's such a jerk. So this goes to everything right now that we're dealing with, with, with people that are quiet quitting and people that are unhappy. I'm telling you this right now. The majority of people leave, leave jobs because they are sick of the people that they work for, not the company. Some will accept lower pay to not deal with the headache, 
But that's what people are fed up with right now is stuff like this. So have you ever done that? Have you ever quit? Have you ever just said, I'm not going to communicate with you? I had a boss that would do really horrible things. And uh, I found out with the company's cell phone that he had GPS on it. And I was told that he would go at night and he would sit there and he'd watch where everybody was at. So, you know, so we would mess with that guy. We would make sure, pardon me, we would make sure that we were at the, uh, the craziest spots ever. So um, then we just shut it off and everybody did it all in unison, okay? So one night at seven o'clock, everybody shut their phones up, took the batteries out and took the chips out of the phone. So they were completely untrackable. Don't go on the internet. Don't do anything with your phone. And this guy freaked out. Um, so Sweet Girl was upset about this. And I really want to know, have you ever done anything like this? Wow, that was very satisfying to say the least. But you get people that treat people horribly and then they get theirs in the end. So let me know if you've ever experienced anything like that. And take a look at the Reddit story because it's it's actually a fun. We teach children voting is an important right, but Nevada's post-primaries prohibit 600,000 independents like me from voting. Yes on 3 will open our primaries, so all registered voters have the right to vote in them. Please vote yes okay. on question 3. Change your mind here. I help you. Fun one down there, too. So, uh... A lot of people down here. Crowd's pretty tame too, when you think about it. But uh, you know, everybody's dressed up and having a good time. So share your thoughts and all this stuff, guys. The scariest thing right now, this Halloween, has got to be inflation, guys. It's absolutely, absolutely epic. And it's not going away. And no matter what the Fed does later on this week, inflation is going to be the thing that's going to continue to hurt everything. Look, the Hulkster's here. Hulkamania is running wild down the streets of Huntington Beach. Now, I, you have to love Elon Musk. Think about this. In his filings, and this is the stuff nobody talks about, in his filings, when he bought Twitter, he got rid of all the directors. All these people that were on the board of directors uh, are gone, every single one of them. He's the only uh, uh, director for the entire company right now. It's him, by himself. That is absolutely awesome. Now, if he wants somebody that escaped from Orange County Jail, and he's like Dan from I allegedly, I am willing to be on the board, got a good business background, but I would love to be on the board of Twitter. We've got the coolest job on the planet Earth. Now, the other thing is, you know the cool kids on Twitter, they have this blue check mark that says that they're social media, uh, they, they've got a huge social media following, and what they did is they gave people the blue check mark. So certain people in the news, certain celebrities, singers, you know, just overall, you know, social media uh, uh, bigwigs have the blue check mark. Elon Musk is going to start charging people for the blue check mark as much as twenty dollars a month. Yeah, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. You too, man. Okay. I allegedly. I allegedly. It's business. News. I watch you, sir. Oh, thank you. I watch your knowledge. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you very much. Wait, what is it? Yeah. Oh, what is it? 
I allegedly. I allegedly. Hey, got any candy? No, I don't have any candy. I just have stacks that keep hitting me in the face. There we go. Oh, thank you. Have fun, guys. So, Elon is charging people for the for the uh, blue check mark. They're going to charge a monthly fee. Okay, listen to this, guys. It is uh, it's the blue check mark, $20 a month. How many people have the blue check mark? 400,000, guys. 400,000 people have the blue check mark. That's $8 million a month. So how cool is that? Wouldn't that be great if uh, he does do that? These people are freaking out. I'm never going to pay for my blue check mark. I earned that. Okay. There's going to be a bunch of changes to Twitter, okay? All of us escape guys out here, us convicts, just having a good time right? tonight. One <laughs> night of the year, we get to break out, come to downtown. All the rules. The all the uh, rules. Exactly. What's your name? Don. Don. I'm Dan. Okay. And uh, uh, you're getting seen by a quarter of a million people right now. <laughs> okay? Welcome to Huntington. So a couple things that uh, are going to be unavoidable this week, and that is we're hearing, you know, that the Fed's going to raise interest rates. And uh, I love this because you go to things like CNBC and uh, this guy's not going well. But you go to CNBC and you talk I know about, this guy. We met in the clink and we're really good pals. Fed's going to raise interest rates, which means that lucky you, you're going to pay more for everything. You're going to pay more for auto loans. You're going to pay more for mortgages. Uh, you're going to pay more on your credit cards and for student loans. So, guys, it's, it's chaos. And again, oh, it's no big deal. It's three quarters of a point. No, it's going to be catastrophic, guys. It's going to be absolutely horrific. And, uh, you know, we've heard stories the Fed may raise rates, um, you know, right around the first year. They may hold off. They only be half a point. But, guys, this is bad enough right now. And the other thing we're hearing from right now is the home builders. Home builders are out talking right now about how bad 2023 is going to be. And right now, the real estate market and the home building market is off 19% for the year. During the health crisis, we had prices shoot up 40%, and everybody was getting rich, and people were getting house rich, and they were just overextending themselves, to say the least. Well, you know, things change, and things have changed dramatically right now. So, so many people are uh, realizing that they're priced out of the market, and there are people that have seen uh, housing prices go down, can't sell the houses now. So, this is happening globally right now. So share your thoughts on all this stuff, guys, because this is the beginning of the end for housing right now. And again, oh, it'll always be around, damn, people are going to go to buy houses, you don't understand. The interest rates are going to kill people. The thing that I keep seeing is all these investor interest rates being sent to me that are 8.5% uh, right now. You know, no documentation, you, you know, interest-only loans, those are back now, too. Hey, we'll take purchases. We'll take refis. I mean, all the stuff that they're doing with people is absolutely crazy. And it's a matter of time until this stuff catches up with everybody. And, uh, you know, they don't have a job or, you know, they don't save no any money. But that's where Lucky. people run into they trouble. Don't touch with it. All this stuff. So let me know what you think. Because I think, I think it's time to sit back. Every time I say, okay, sit back for six months and buy a house, I think it's sit back and wait for a year right now. But let me know what you guys think about this right now. And uh, party's still going. Everything's nice. But let me know what you guys think, guys, about all this stuff. And uh, I'm enjoying, you know, sitting back and just watching this, to say the least. So, 
share your thoughts and all this stuff. So guys, I'm going to close this out with the uh, In-N-Out employees that are very scary looking. So happy Halloween to everybody. And uh, they have seen better days. That's all I got to say. So happy Halloween, guys. Uh, I'm going to end this with this last story. Think about this, okay? Survey, CBS News, The Economy. How would you rate things? Now, I'm okay. I think things are good. Um, I think they'll get better. No, 80%. 80% of the people that were interviewed said that things are out of control. Out of control. Things in our economy are out of control. The country's out of control. Everything's out of control. So share your thoughts on that stuff, guys. What do you guys think? Okay? Are things out of control right now? Because I think they are. I think that there's not an end in sight. I think that the playbook for mayhem and the playbook for our economy to completely get destroyed is going full steam ahead. So please don't forget to hit the like button. Please don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also, take a look at our sponsor, which is absolutely amazing. Satellite phone store. Think about this. If disaster struck right now, I would be okay because I've got my satellite phone. Take a look at them. And also, uh, don't forget, party details are being released for everybody that won. Uh, tickets to the, uh, the party and the hotel information will be sent out. Uh, onward and upward, guys. We're going to have an epic night, and I can't wait for you guys to join us. Okay? I will see you guys very soon. Welcome to Subway's biggest refresh yet. They're dropping 12 new subs for their all-new Subway series menu. This is exciting, Tony. Oh, you've never seen stats like this before, Chuck. The new monster has juicy steak and crispy bacon. Dang, but what about the new boss? Meatballs covered in marinara, coupled with fresh mozzarella. It looks so good. It makes me hang. Biographical stories, history, political history, December 1st, 2018, Ferdinand and Isabella, the making of the first world. Christopher Holman. Omen? Omen. In April of 1451, 1451, at a secluded palace in northern Spain, a young baby by the name of Princess Isabella 
of Castiella was born. From the moment she was born, the world was aligned against her. In truth, there were very few people who cared at all for the infant princess. Her older brother, half-sister, half-brother, her older half-brother Enrique was poised to become the next king of Castiel and his children when they came were next in line to the throne Isabella was nothing but a mere princess with no realistic prospect of becoming queen however despite the hardships she would face this young infant princess would rise to become the maker of the most powerful kingdom and empire in the world. As Isabella grew, her family's political position began to deteriorate. Her father, King Juan II, was heavily influenced by the callous and greedy general Alvaro de Luna. King Juan. Entirely uninterested in the affairs of state, allowed de Luna to have a free hand in the kingdom. Thus, by the time of King Juan's death in 1454, Castiel was plagued with corruption and deceit. His eldest son, Enrique IV, was an even worse king. He was a great lover of debauchery, and many times he neglected his duties as king. By the end of his reign, the kingdom would be in complete disaster. Disarray! Disarray! Meanwhile, Isabella spent most of her time in seclusion with her now widowed mother. During this time, she developed a strong faith in God and the rituals of the Catholic faith became the bedrock of her young life as well as the primary source of strength and motivation. But for now, there was nothing she could do about the chaos consuming the kingdom. As Isabella's childhood passed into her teen years, the question on everyone's mind was, 
选的 Young Princess Mary. The hope was for Isabella that she should marry a man who would help bring unity to a fractioned peninsula, and in time, she would do just that. Next song. For centuries, the Iberian Peninsula had prospered as part of the Roman Empire. However, after the fall of the Western Roman Empire in the fifth century, a power vacuum developed in Iberia. It was quickly filled by the fierce warriors, like Visigoths, who established their own kingdom throughout the peninsula, as well as in southern France. For many centuries, the Visigoths prospered in Spain. They crafted intricate jewelry and introduced their own unique architectural. Style to the region. However, the most influential cultural impact they had was their adoption of Christianity. The importance of this decision cannot be underestimated. Understated. The new religion imbued its Iberian adherents with a fiery sense of purpose, an attribute that would lead them to greatness in later centuries. As Christianity would go on to play an important role in the formation of the future Kingdom of Spain. And its empire, but the peace and prosperity that blessed the Visigoth kingdom would not last forever. A new and ominous threat had gathered force in its southern horizon, and it, and it had one goal. The ominous new threat that came surging out of northern Africa in the eighth century, oh, had a was a brand new religion. The Prophet Muhammad preached. That his new religion is love. 
was the greatest of the monotheistic faiths. In the year 711, warriors of the new religion surged into the Iberian Peninsula. The kingdom of the Visigoths weakened by internal division. And was in no condition to face their fierce foes. One by one, the cities of Iberia fell under the sway of the Muslim forces. The Christian kings of Iberia were pushed back to the Pyrenees. In a short time, the Muslims dominated the peninsula. However, the Muslims were not just conquered. The Muslims were not just conquered. They brought with them a vibrant. And lively culture, as well as bringing their new faith, they introduced letter making. Leather making, the Muslim architecture. In fact, at the Muslim capital of Cordoba, under the direction of Caliph. Abdar Rahman the first, the great mosque of Cordoba, was built, and it became the third most important mosque in the world. After those of Mecca and Jerusalem, also in Muslim Iberia, trade, philosophy, and theology prospered. To an extraordinary extent, for the Christian kings, however, none of this was important. To them, the Muslim faith was a menace that had to be pushed back, and the Christians were going to try and do just. Of the Muslim invasion, the Christian kings of Iberia were almost swept off of the peninsula. However, they intended to win back every inch of the land that they had lost. Thus began a long period in Iberian history known as the Reconquista. That would last. For over 
Little by little, the Christian kingdoms of the north took back the land they had lost. They took back Toledo, holy, in 1085, and then Seville in 1248. Ever so slowly, the Christian kingdoms pushed back their foes. By the time of Isabella's birth, there were only five kingdoms left in Iberia: Castile, Aragon, Navarre, Portugal, and the final Muslim outpost of. However, before they could conquer Granada, the Christian kingdoms needed to achieve unity amongst themselves, and that is where Isabella would play a vital role. As you can see, the map of Iberia Peninsula in the 14th century, courtesy of Wikipedia Commons, 1300. The largest middle portion of Spain is all yellow. It is the Castile. Portugal is along the west coast. Granada along the south coast. Right, Aragon on the east coast, Navarre in the teeny upper northeast corner, attaching it key location between Castile and Guitany of England, and above that, France, Majorca. For Isabella, her early teen years were. Some of the most dangerous of her life. At the young age of thirteen, while in the middle of marriage negotiations, the noble of Castile rebelled against her half-brother, King Enrique. Enrique was such an ineffective ruler that the nobles instead chose Isabella's brother Alfonso to be king. Thus, Castile was plunged into civil war, and all talk of marriage was suspended. 
Isabella, with all her heart and soul, threw herself behind her younger brother. It seemed, for a time, that Alfonso and Isabella would emerge victorious. And then Alfonso suddenly died. Isabella was left to face the future alone. Having betrayed her brother, Isabella made an astounding decision. She wrote a letter to the kingdom that pronounced Enrique as the true king of Castile, but then stated that she would be next in line after his death. Enrique, weary of civil war, eagerly accepted Isabella's offer. Thus, Isabella's prudence won both parties a great victory. Enrique saved face, and Isabella secured her future as Queen of Castile. Now, with that frightening episode behind her, Isabella could refocus on finding a suitable husband. Now that everything had settled down in Castiel, Isabella was free to continue her pursuit of a suitable husband. Her attention turned to Castiel's neighbor, Aragorn. Since Isabella was now the heir to the throne of Castiel, she decided that pursuing a marriage with Ferdinand, heir to the throne of Aragorn, was the most desirable position option. Desirable option. Ferdinand was young, handsome, intelligent, and charming man. Together, the two. Together, the two young expectant monarchs represented the bright future of their kingdoms. Finally, after much delay, Ferdinand arrived at the Castilian city of Valladolid, where his soon-to-be wife was waiting for him. On October 19, 1469, the couple finally wed.
The union of the two future monarchs would shape the destiny, not just of their kingdoms, but also of the world. Now, all Ferdinand and Isabella had to do was wait. When Isabella's brother died, she would inherit the kingdom of Castiel. And when Ferdinand's father died, he would inherit the kingdom of Aragon. Thus, the two kingdoms Would be effectively transformed into one. Finally, in 1474, the couple's time arrived. Over the past five years, Isabella's power and support in the kingdom had grown. And King Enrique's health had also become more fragile. Finally, on December 11, 1474, King Enrique died. Isabella moved quickly to consolidate her power. She quickly sent a letter out to the kingdom announcing the death of her brother and asserting her right to rule. In the city of Segovia, where Isabella was staying, she celebrated Mass. And then she changed into a splendid outfit, laced with gold and precious gems. Before a crowd of cheering people, she became queen. Gloriosimos, gloriosimos. The city celebrated with a procession of Isabella's allies, who were eager to declare their alliance to the new sovereign. It was a truly momentous occasion. But all was not well. Despite the convincing illusion of power, there were many of Isabella's enemies who sought her throne. King Alfonso V of Portugal, with Enrique's young daughter, 
with Enrique's young daughter, Juana, by his side, declared himself king of Castile and invaded the country. Isabella sent Ferdinand to intercept the Portuguese army commanded by King Alfonso at the Battle of Toro. Toro? Toro. Ferdinand decisively defeated the Portuguese army. Finally, in 1479, after the signing the treaty of Alcacoabs, Isabella and Ferdinand's rule was cemented, and they were the only rulers of Castile. Also, Ferdinand's father died in 1479, and Ferdinand ascended to the throne of Argon. At last, Isabella and Ferdinand ruled a united and powerful kingdom, the kingdom of Spain. Finally, Isabella could turn her attention to conquering the kingdom that, for so long, had eluded her ancestors. It was time to vanquish Granada and expel the Muslims from their Spain. In 1481, the final stage of Reconquista commenced. The Muslims, believing that Spain was weak from its wars with Portugal, attacked the city of Zahara. The attack was a complete The attack was a complete success, and the Muslims believed that the Spanish government would not respond. However, they were wrong. The Spain of Isabella and Ferdinand was much more powerful than its predecessor. Castiel had been in the past flushed with wealth and power of her new state Isabella intended not only to strike back but to finish the reconquista once and for all the Spanish army swept into Granada and captured the town 
of Alama. This center of commerce was not even 12 miles from the capital city of Granada. Victory was within Isabella's grasp. At the same time, civil war broke out in Granada. Here, Isabella saw an opportunity. She offered the rule of Granada, Boabil, a two-year truce, which he had gratefully accepted. In the interim, Isabella planned to continue strengthening her forces for the final assault. While the civil war in Granada waged on, weakening the state's ability to resist the Catholic conquerors, the plan worked well. And by the time the campaign resumed, Granada had torn itself apart. The Catholic forces moved swiftly from one fortress to the next, taking each after a hard-fought battle. Finally, on January 2nd, 1492, the city of Granada surrendered. Isabella was victorious. All of Iberia was now Iberia was now in the hands of the Christians once more. After 700 years, Isabella had achieved the goal that had eluded her predecessors for so long. The final outpost of the Muslim faith of the Muslim faith in Iberia was gone forever. With that goal accomplished, Isabella could now pour her country's resources into new and exciting adventures elsewhere. Indeed, the world had grown wider since the last time Iberia had been united, and there were many things to learn and explore. In the 14th and 15th centuries, Western Europe underwent colossal changes.
the nations of Europe awoke from the slumber of the Dark Ages to an entirely different world. A world rich with resources and luxury goods lay just beyond their grasp in the East Indies. The first European nation to branch out was Portugal, which, due to its excellent location on the western shore of the Atlantic Ocean, took the first steps into a larger world. In the mid-15th century, Portugal began raiding Muslim settlements on the coast of North Africa. The raiders who returned brought home gold artifacts and other fine goods. From then on, Portugal would go on to establish colonies up and down the western coast of Africa. And much wealth flowed out of these colonies back to Portugal. The Portuguese took another large step when, in 1488, Bartolomeu Dias sailed around the southernmost tip of Africa. This monumental voyage opened India and the Far East. To European trade, and Portugal was the first nation to establish European colonies in India. The Persian Gulf, Macau, and Sri Lanka. Portugal's overseas expansion brought much wealth. To the small country. In a matter of mere decades, Portugal transformed itself into one of the most powerful countries on earth. World reserve currency. If Spain or any other country in Europe, for that matter, wanted to keep up, they would, they too, would need colonies and trade routes. That would rival those of Portugal. But in order to surpass Portugal, the nations of Europe would need to find a new and faster route to the East Indies. That was where one man. One man 
a well-known sailor from Genoa would play a vital role in changing the history of the world forever and give Spain a decisive edge over its neighbors. The year 1492 began with tremendous success for Isabella. The Kingdom of Granada fell early in the year and as a result, Spain became a major voice in the European continent. Isabella's own prestige was impressive. She had transformed herself into one of the most formidable monarchs in Europe. And she was certainly the most powerful woman in the world. It seemed as if she had reached her zenith. But this was not true. For many years, a brilliant Italian navigator, Christopher Columbus, Nora, had been lobbying Isabella for money and supplies to conduct a voyage. To the East Indies. Columbus believed that he could bypass Portuguese strongholds in the Far East by sailing west across the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, the feet. feat was dangerous and highly romantic, but if it succeeded, Spain would have a new and quicker passage to the Far East. In the past, Isabella had been reluctant to commission voyages, but now that the war with Granada was over, she finally decided to give Columbus her approval. So, 
a half hour before sunrise on August 3rd, 1492, Columbus embarked from the port of Palos. In his charge, he had three ships, the Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria, as well as 90 men. The small squadron sailed on into the open and uncharted ocean for five weeks. The sailors grew restless and the officers questioned Columbus's capacity for leadership. They thought he had led them into an endless sea and they lost hope that they would ever find land again. However, they were wrong. Early in the morning on October 12, 1012, or 1210, 1492, a sailor on the board of Pinta shouted out, Land! When the men peered out from their ship, they saw land out. Before them, a tropical paradise. situated in a small island, most likely one of the Bahamas. Columbus spent over two months exploring the Bahamas and finding new islands. He met the local Native Americans with whom he traded and lived. In December, he claimed the island of Haiti for Ferdinand and Isabella and named it San Salvador. Thus, it was one of the first possessions of Spanish emperor, empire was claimed. However, Columbus could not stay forever. And in January 1493, he departed for Spain. When Columbus returned, Isabella happily received him in the city of Barcelona. She was overjoyed by the results of his voyage, and she eagerly agreed to finance more journeys. She also lavished him with new titles and recognition of his achievements on behalf of Spain. The year 1492 was a monumental year. But when the voyages of Christopher Columbus were the crowning achievement of the age, it was the beginning of an era, a new era 
in world history. And Isabella was responsible for it. If it had not been for her willingness to send men into the unknown, the world might be a radically different place. Thus, when 1492 drew to a close and the new year dawned, Isabella reached the height of her power as Spain was now poised to found a new empire across the seas that would bring it insurmeasurable, immeasurable riches. The reign of Queen Isabella of Spain was one of the most consequential in world history. We see a picture of her welcoming Christopher Columbus by Eugene de la Croix, 1839. Welcoming Columbus home with her open arms and Fernando by her side. I'm sorry, Ferdinand. Her incredible sense of duty, her commitment to faith, and her love for her country drove her to do great things. She was the founder of not only the Kingdom of Spain, but also the Spanish Overseas Empire. Spain would go on to acquire territory in both Central and Southern America, Italy, and Netherlands. Her actions shaped the history of two continents, and her legacy still endures today. Whenever these distant lands, the Spanish language is spoken, wherever the Catholic faith is practiced. We have Isabella to thank. Thank you for listening to an article on MS. I'm sorry, on ST. MU Research Scholars, featuring scholarly research, writing, and media at St. Mary's University. Read by Celestior. Please stay for some credits and footnotes. One. Kirsten Downey, Isabella, the Warrior Queen, 2014. John Fraser Ramsey, Spain, the Rise of the First World Power, 
Alabama. Press one nine seven three. William Hickling Prescott. History of the Reign of Ferdinand and Isabella. New York Heritage Press. One nine six seven. Okay, gotta go. Bye bye. The Gale Encyclopedia. Gale. Force wins. <laughs>